Welcome to the Go Lead Everything podcast. Do you aspire to become the best leader you can be? Then come along with me and GLE. Faith, love, integrity, courage. Four key values of great leaders all around the world. I'm Phil Swanson, and I'm on a mission to bring you leaders from all walks of life and arm you with the tools and mindset to lead effectively in whatever you are called to do. Are you ready? Because it's time to go lead everything. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to GLE, another killer episode for you. I got a guy here that I've spent way 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 too much time with over my life and i met this individual i was i was driving to wayne state university the day i was moving in as a freshman my parents had moved to texas i flew back and picked up all my stuff in an empty house we hadn't sold yet and drove it down to good old wayne state the towers residential suites and i called my roommate mr john skaggs and I didn't know him, hadn't met him, hadn't seen him, didn't know a thing about him. And I called him. He was he was there at the at the dorm. And I said, hey, John, you know, Phil here. I'm your roommate. They, they stuck me in a room with three upperclassmen. John was one of them. And uh, John, I was like, hey, man, can, can you come down and help me move in? You know, I had this little Honda full of, full of a bunch of crap. And uh, all of a sudden, I see this big, like, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, Derek Jeter-looking stud walking down you know and i'm just a little freshman and i was like oh my goodness what did, what did i get myself into this is my roommate this big stud and uh i ended up living with john for four years at wayne state and building a really strong friendship with him and i'm thrilled he could be on our show today john skaggs welcome to the show what's up phil man great to be on love uh, love seeing all you're doing man I appreciate it, brother. So, John, for those that don't know you, I know for any of our listeners from Wayne State, they're going to know you. Anyone from Michigan, especially in the Adrian area, you know, you're the mayor of Adrian. They're going to know. They're going to know who John Skaggs is. But for yeah. those that don't know you, you know, maybe give them a little background on on how you grew up and and how you got to where you are, um, owning prime time and 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 uh, running a business today. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I'm I'm from Adrian, Michigan, literally middle of middle of nowhere, farm fields, farm cornfields all around us. Um, lived there from middle and high school and was fortunate enough to get a baseball and athletic scholarship, athletic and academic scholarship to go to Wayne State. I went up there and um, spent five years there and played baseball and changed majors a few times and uh, finally made my way into the education field and, uh, you know, realized that's what I wanted to do is be a teacher, but I still had that love for the game of baseball. So once my baseball career ended, um, moved on on down to Washington D.C. and that's that's where I am now. I'm in Arlington, Virginia. Been here for 11 years, and um, I've been teaching high school history and special ed. Been doing that for for seven, going on eight years now. Nine if we count the COVID year. And um, you know, I I was starting to miss that baseball aspect a little bit, and started going back into baseball. You know, and open up a baseball academy and here in the Hinden area. It's something that's that's blossomed and had some up and downs and downs and COVID and whatnot, but that's that's kind of what made me to get out here. Awesome, John. Awesome. So let's walk back to uh, your time in Adrian. And I know 
whenever I've gone to Adrian with, you know, we always end up running into people. You were always that guy that, you know, you stop in a restaurant and he knows somebody he's going to walk over and talk to him or they're going to stop by and talk to us. And I always thought that was cool. Like I always liked going out with John because he was always never afraid to go talk to people, meet people, do things. How did you get that type of personality? Like, is that something you just grew up with? You know, did you see an, a mentor in your life that did those things? What, what was it that drove you to be so social and, and so outgoing with people? Yeah. So I think it actually started before I moved to Adrian. So I moved to Adrian in fifth grade. And uh, before that I had lived in seven States and, you know, before fifth grade. So, you know, my dad had been in the automotive business and started at the bottom. And every time he got promoted, you know, we had to move. So I was born in Seattle, Washington, and then was all over the country. So every move, I was forced to meet new friends. So I'd have friends, I'd lose them. And we didn't have Facebook and Instagram, and I didn't have a phone. So I couldn't keep in touch with these people. So <laughs> I left it. We're done. And that was it. Then we had to go to a new town, and it was my sister and I. And she was two and a half years younger. And you know, no one wants to hang out with their younger sister at that time. Oh, geez. So, you know, I just, just had to go meet new people all the time and, it was awkward at first and, you know, I had sports to help me out and I was always the tall kid. So that helped, but you know, there were, there were tough times meeting new people, especially in areas where, you know, maybe I, I just, I was super unfamiliar. So I kind of was forced to branch out and, and be that, that person to, if I want to make friends, it's, it's going to be on me. If I want to talk to people, it's going to be on me to take that first step and to really get out of my comfort zone. And it did take a little bit, but once I got there, it's, it's something that stuck with me for years. And I'm, I'm still that way now. Yeah, man. That, like I think about our relationship, right? Like I just got stuck in a, in a room with you. Right. Lucky. Like, yeah. I, I mean, truly I do count myself fortunate. I haven't living with you guys my freshman year. I mean, I can't imagine if I had been living, you know, what my college experience would have been like and how different it would have been if I'd have been in the, in the freshman dorm, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, it's a different experience. You know, you're with upperclassmen they're they have different priorities. You know, our, our one roommate ended up getting drafted, Anthony Bass, and uh, Ryan LaPonte, total stud, you know, just always driven, always focused, ended up getting a, what, what do you go, like some chem, chemical bio. Oh, yeah, and he was big chemical engineering type thing. He was, he's, I don't know. Yeah, he was in like organic chemistry and all that stuff and like, you know, way, way above my head for sure. Um, but yeah, and then you and, and, you know, it came in handy. You were, you were already 21 when I came in as a freshman. That was, that was always a plus, but yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, I loved being around you older guys, but it, that's accidental, right? Like I didn't seek that out and it's taken me a long time to be outgoing. And, you know, it's not that I was afraid to talk to people, but you know, so many people just walk around with their head down every day and they mm-hmm. let people and things and that's relationships kind of come to them instead of proactively going out and seeking them. And, you know, I relate to you being a guy that moved around a lot. What were the states you lived in, those seven states, before you yeah. were uh, in fifth grade? Uh, so Washington, Colorado, Utah, Kentucky, Kansas, Florida, and then up to Michigan. So oh, wow, okay. all over the country. Literally, yeah. it wasn't just like, you know, Michigan, Ohio, Indiana. I was just going right here. I was I was everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's good, man. Like, like, I love that, that different experience, that change. Like... Mm-hmm seeing change and seeing different communities and different ways people live, I think is really big in, uh, in developing. And, um, so nowadays you're a teacher, you Mm -hmm. went into teaching and, and, you know, history and special ed. You're, I know you always were, uh, were a history buff. So 
what what uh, started your love of history? So it is actually the movie. So once again, it comes back to all the moving around um, because it wasn't history. It was more geography. Right. Um, I hated math. Still do. <laughs> like <laughs> Batting average payroll. That's what I'm, that's where I'm yeah, at. You know, <laughs> um, you know <laughs> it, it was it was geography. You know, we're, we're learning about all these places that I traveled through driving to my next place to live. You know, oh, hey, we're going to talk about the Grand Canyon. Boom, was there a couple of months ago. We're going to talk about Mount Rushmore, drove through this summer. You know, and all this geography. And as we're traveling places, I'm looking on a Rand McNally map, right? Trying to figure things out. And that just stuck, kind of stuck to me. And um, when I was deciding what I want to teach, I was like, well, geography is kind of not a subject that we're teaching in school anymore, but history was. And that, that's something that kind of interested me. And I had some good history teachers along the way in school that made me love history instead of dreading it. Being, and I, that's something that led me into teaching was that idea of, you know, don't be the, the boring teacher who puts a movie on and that's it, or monotones to a whole lecture. You know, I was someone who was interactive and got the kids involved and out of their seat and very hands-on. Uh, so that was, that was what kind of got me to wanting to be the history teacher. Mm-hmm. Super cool. Yeah. So on the on the other side, the special ed side, you know, it takes a very special person to want to go into that field. And I'm I'm just curious what what drove you towards that. And um and I commend you for it. It's pretty it's pretty amazing. Well, thank you. Um and, and I, I hear that a lot with the the word patience. You know, um it's funny. I have I have patience for different different people. I can have all the patience in the world for my students, and then I'm you know, at the bank and I'm like, why is this three hours? <laughs> I've never seen you get impatient, John. Not with me, not with anybody. Come on. Oh, never, never. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, so with, with, I don't know what the special ed, my mom had worked in a, uh, she was a, um, a teacher and she worked in a resource room when I was growing up. So when I would go eat lunch sometimes, especially at a new school, I'd go find her if she was there and I would be immersed in students who were, you know, with, with disabilities. And I was, I was just kind of drawn to like, wow, you know, I see how my mom cares with these students and that these students are not much different than me, you know, and I, I kind of was drawn to that. But um, when I was applying for jobs out here in Virginia, I was applying for history jobs and it just it wasn't something that was opening up and, you know, a position opened up in special ed and someone said, are you, you know, would you like it? I said, I'm not certified. And they said, well, what if we hired you, but then you had to go back and get your master's. I was like, I go back to school. Uh, and then, you know, I thought about it some more and that was the right decision. So I went back every Wednesday for five and a half hours for two and a half years. And I uh, got my master's while teaching and opening my business. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. You've always been a driven guy. You've always been doing a lot of different things. How do you, how do you manage that type of workload? Like what, what, what drives you to stay motivated and, and do all those different things? Sometimes I think it's the fear of not doing what I want to do. So what I, what I mean by that is I want to do any and everything that I can do. I don't, I don't want to be, you know, one, one day not being able to, to do, I don't know. I just don't want to miss out on opportunities like to travel the world or to, to go do new experiences and, and stuff like that. I just, I don't, I think the fear of, not being able to do that is what drives me because, you know, I just, I want to experience everything I can. You have traveled a lot and experienced a lot. What is your favorite experience looking back? 
and you know, I know you're married, so obviously your wedding day and all that stuff. Of course, but, of course. but what what's your what's your favorite experience looking back? If you can, if you could just pick one, do you have a favorite? Yeah, I've got I've got two, but I'll go with one. Um, so obviously, I've been able to I've been very fortunate to tie the game of baseball into my travels, and um, I've been able to to take teams with our business all around the world. We've gone to Japan, Spain, uh, where else? Switzerland, Italy, and all those things were amazing. But we we took a trip to Switzerland and Italy, and I actually got engaged on that trip. It was pretty cool. I got engaged on that trip while I was there, and it uh, it was a, a baseball family trip. And I got to see and play baseball with kids from all over the world. And I mean, I'm here. I am. I'm 34 now, but I was I think I was 30, 31, and we were on this trip. I brought a group of 15 uh, players from here and we went over there and just played baseball. Got to go through the Swiss Alps and wow. we're playing teams from Russia, from China, from South Africa, from Korea, and all of us meeting on the field and just talking the game of baseball. And the experience I'll never forget is I get to home plate the first game, a U.S. team for my team, and we're playing an Italian team. And the umpires from Czech Republic and the head coach of the Italian team is from Cuba. And all we know is play ball. That's like the only words we could all understand. <laughs> right. Out strike and play ball. And that was it. <laughs> but you know what? We, we were there and it was, it was phenomenal. You know, we were, we were able to do that. And just that it was, it was great. Just the communication of the baseball terms made us play. Yeah. So communication is a funny thing. Like when, when I was growing up, we were required to take a second language. Right. And yeah. like, I took a little Spanish early on. I took a little bit of French, a little bit of Latin, you know, mm -hmm. back in my classical school days, you know, learning the, the Latin dead language. Yeah. Um, but it was good. Right. It, that's all good. And then when I got to high school, my parents wanted me in music. And so they, they let me kind of skip out on taking a second language. And mm -hmm. then I married a Spanish speaker from a Spanish speaking family or, or uh, a Spanish speaking family, a Mexican family. And, you know, you get around people and you can't communicate and it's really, really tough. Yeah. And something like baseball, I was just watching, uh, have you seen Kobe's little documentary rise or, or uh, muse? I think it's called. Muse. Yep. Yeah. But he talks about that when he was traveling as a kid and like, you know, he would, he found comfort cause he always had his ball and he could always go play ball. And, and that was, that was a way he could always get along no matter where he moved was he could play basketball and, that was kind of their language. And when, what you just described, you know, it just kind of brought that back to me. Like, you know, that it's almost like its own language. You can't, you can't even communicate any other way, but when you're on the field, it just happens. Yeah. Like you, you just, if you know the game, you, you play and, and mm -hmm. uh, can communicate that way and connect with people. It's, it's really cool. No, it is. And, and I mean, to me, communication is, it's a word that is, I don't think it's stressed enough with, with, with work, with family, with relationships, um, you know, I, I teach communication daily in our baseball practices. Um, and then I go to school and I'm talking to my students. I'm like, Hey, you know, you need to communicate. You need to advocate. Tell me what you need, you know, cause I, I can't read what's going on in your head. You have to tell me, um, mm -hmm. you know, that type of thing. But then I also, the big communication I do is just because I'm telling you something doesn't mean you're comprehending what I'm actually saying. And that's what makes communication work. And I think a lot of people think just because I'm telling you something that's communicating, but it's not. If, if my audience doesn't understand it, then I've failed at communicating. 
And yeah. And you know, you're talking about patience. So many people are quick to get frustrated at other people who don't understand them. Right. When instead of like what you just described, taking the ownership and realizing that, Hey, you know, it's not their fault that they don't understand me necessarily. Maybe I need to tell it a different way. Maybe I need to figure out a better way to communicate it where they can understand it. You know, maybe they're not speaking my language. So what, you know, how can I put it in a language they're going to understand? And uh, I love that, man. I love that. Attitude. I think like we, when you, we talk about being coachable, I'm really passionate about this. Cause I, you know, I think I failed as an athlete for a long time because I thought being coachable was just do what your coach tells you to do. Correct. Right. I, I, and, I would and, agree same. Yeah, like that. That is. So, what's being coachable to you? Because I have a different opinion on it now. But I'm curious. What What do you think being coachable is? So, you know, we at, when we were at Wayne State, we had we had awesome coaches. I mean, I, all our from all our coaches all the way through. But just like how teams are now, different coaches had different philosophies. And when I was at Wayne State, a coach said, "Do this," and you know, I either had the mentality of, "I already know what I'm doing." I'm a college athlete. I got this. Right. Or I went with the attitude of, you know, whatever you tell me, I'm just going to do it to make you happy because I want to play. Right. You know, those are the two mentalities I went to. But for to kind of reverse to that, to me, what coachable should have been in that sense would would have been, you know, listen to what people are saying, try things out, and then kind of see what works for you. And you know, being open to a change. Mm-hmm. I think that's for me what coachability is. If you're coachable, is you're open to change, not saying that you have to, but you're open to the possibility of it instead of being closed minded. Yeah, I love that. You, you got to be open. And you were talking about communication. I, I think that's another area I failed in the past. You know, when when someone tells you to do something that doesn't make sense to you, it's your obligation if you're if you're a coachable person to communicate. You know, communicate to your coach. You know what what you're thinking. And in a respectful way, like, you know, I don't understand why, why I'm doing this, this way, this doesn't feel right. Like you gotta, you gotta be able to, cause they don't know if you don't get it unless you tell them. Right. So if you're just like blindly doing what they say and they think you got it, then, you know, it's gonna, it's not, it's not going to work. Right. No, I've seen, I've seen a lot of my players and I'm coaching, I'll explain a drill. And when I first started coaching, I would explain a drill and I would assume everybody got it because I see heads nodding. I'm like, all right. And then we do the drill in 10 seconds and do it. It's completely wrong from what I was expecting. You know, they probably thought it was right. Sure, sure. So now, now I've learned, you know, when I I explain a drill, I'll say, you know, does anyone have any questions? Does this make sense? And then I'll actually pick somebody who I believe has their, knows what's going on and have them relay it back. And then I see the big head nods like, ah, got it. Now I know what's going on. And then I'm like, all right, we just achieved something. Now let's go do the drill. All right, I'm bringing up a touchy topic. Uh-oh. And I'm not trying to pull the string, but I think it's fun because you're you're a coach, right? So, least favorite baseball coaching clichés. Like are there are there things that you'll hear a coach say, like classic baseball things that would just like make you cringe as a coach? Like, uh, like I hate that. <laughs> oh, man. Goodness. Um, well, some of them I use that I think I thought were terrible. Well, it's like, it's again, it's like you got to communicate it in a way people understand. And so, you know, some people can, I talk about getting the feeling. I don't know if you've ever heard me talk about this or, or if I've had this conversation with you, but like 
there's a feeling of success, right? Everybody's hit a ball, like anybody who's played baseball, right? You, they, you know what it feels like to hit a ball perfect and see that ball just go flying. Yeah. Like, it, you know, it's almost like you didn't even try to hit it, but yeah. like it went farther than any ball you've ever hit. And it's like, what did I just do? Like, I just did something there that was very right. Like, how do I repeat whatever the heck I just did? Because mm-hmm. it felt right, right? You got the feeling. So it's like, okay, how can I just repeat that feeling over and over, that feeling of success? And when you tell people certain things like, you know, telling them one thing might get them to feel it, right? Even though it's not necessarily right. You know what I mean? So that, that's kind of, you know, there's some, there's some funny ones, but what, like, do any come to mind or, or things like cliche phrases that, uh, I know we talk, we joke about the toe tap a lot, John. All the, all the time, the toe tap. And, well, it's, and it's funny because my toe tap is not something I would ever, ever teach someone how to hit how the way I hit. But for me, it was a timing thing. And yeah. definitely a shout out, you know, Paul Lamantia loves my toe tap. Oh, I talk yeah. about it. But uh, for me, I, I always think the one is see the ball, hit the ball. Right. So when I, I, I hear that, it's so simple. Right. Oh, hey, there's the ball. I'm just going to hit it. But then when, you know, the guy in the bumps pumping 92, <laughs> I, I kind of saw it. But I'm, I'm not hitting that ball. Like, you know, it's, that to me was one I, I do. And then I'll tell the kids, guys, it's simple. Let's just see the ball, hit the ball. And I'm like, oh. Did I just say that? You know, it's funny though. It's, it's one of those things that's is like you get up there in the heat of the moment Mm -hmm. and something as simple as, okay, you know, I need to pick up that ball as early as possible right out of his hand and which way it's spinning. And you know, you you can kind of, you just lose it, right? You lose, you can lose focus very easily with everything going on. Oh yeah. I know you're a morning workout guy and you know, anybody who's ever heard the, uh, Eric, uh, Eric Prids, Prides, Prides, Prids, how do you say his name? Oh, hey, Eric Prides. Prides, yeah. So, you know, John's a tradition guy. He's a habit and tradition guy. He's a, anybody who hears Call On Me who knows John Skaggs instantly thinks of John Skaggs when they hear the song Call On Me. So, you know, what, what are habits mean to you? What are your, what are your habits that have helped shape who you are today? I, I think that's why one of the things I fell in love with baseball about was the superstitions, the habits, the, the, the day in, the day out, the exact same thing. You know, you, you, you get up, you get your lift in, you go to class, you go to practice, that routine that kept me on pace. And that's something I do now. And it, it is, it's literally, I think, especially during COVID, it's something that saved me from, from kind of losing my mind at times when we were, especially at the very beginning when you're in quarantine and, and stuff, that routine is, is what saved me. You know, I, I have a routine now um, that, uh, that I'm going, that I go into a school back in and it's something like tonight I'll, I'll start to prep for this week. Uh, and that's part of my routine. So even my prep is part of my routine, but what I found is what's the saying? I'm definitely going to say it wrong, but I think all the time it's like prepare. If you don't prepare, like you're preparing to fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if I'm not, if I'm not preparing for what I'm going to have, then I'm not going to be able to be successful for what I want to do during the week. You know, so if I don't make my meals tonight, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to have to go out to go like Taco Bell, love me some Taco Bell. But if I'm trying to maintain my, you know, eating healthy and on this thing I'm doing, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to, to do that. And I just took a step back right. because I didn't prepare. So yeah. I'm a big, big routine guy. And it's, it's helped me, you know, in baseball and in, in the business world and my teaching and um, trying to show kids how to do that too. Yeah. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Here it is. And 
I, I like that one. That's a really good one. I, I think people see successful people and like, I know I've done this in the past where I, I'll see like an executive or, you know, some, some public speaker or something. And I'll look at them and just be like, man, they're just so good at that. Like it, that just, that just must come so naturally to them. Right. But what you don't see is the fact that like they have speech coaches and they've practiced and they've written these things down and rehearsed and failed a bunch of times. Right. Like I think baseball players are pretty good and well-suited to be business owners because there's so much failure that goes along with, with owning a business. And as a baseball player, you're pretty much trained to learn how to deal with failure because you're failing so often. Right. And um, you know, you're a business owner now. And I think that's um, like, I'm always impressed and I didn't have this perspective before, but I think it's like super, super cool whenever I meet somebody that's brave enough to step out on their own and, and start a business. So like, it's super impressive, John, and I commend you for it, but I'm curious, like, what did you go through mentally as you started primetime and um, just kind of give us the history of primetime and what you're doing with it today. Uh, fear. My gosh, there were so many, it, it was scary. So um, I was a full-time teacher and um, wanted to get that baseball going. I was doing lessons at an Academy just on the side. And um, one of my best friends down here, Chris, he just, uh, he was a professional baseball player at the Reds and he um, was home in the off season and him and I just kind of hit it off and started doing a bunch of lessons. And we said, let's just, let's make our own place. And I was like, all right, let's do it. So we're sitting out at a restaurant called primetime. And uh, we are like, what's a good name? And we literally looked at the sign and said right there. Um, it wasn't <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, you know, we, we made this decision that we wanted to do it and, me, I have an education background. He has a psychology background. So zero business right. at all. And we just, we just start getting to work, figure out what we need to do. We, we ask people, we call up people that we know done it, just do a bunch of research and, you know, make that jump. And we did it ourselves. We didn't want family involved. We didn't want anybody. We said, if this is something we're going to do, we're going to do it with him and Chris and I doing it, or, or it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And we, we made that jump and, uh, you know, it was seven, it was 2014 in the summer of 2014, we, we wow. started it up and, uh, you know, took a, took a little loan off from the bank and got rolling. And here we are seven years later in our second place, but there were a lot of times that I, I was ready to, to quit and I'm not a quitter, but I was, I was done. So Chris went out to spring training and he was playing and I was teaching my master, getting my master's. I'm a varsity head baseball coach. And it's all happening at the same time as I'm trying to open this business. Uh, and I remember one time we were supposed to get this turf in and it, it came in 8,000 pound rolls. And that's me staring at three rolls of 8,000 pounds. <laughs> and I literally. It was like uh, a, a torture workout from back in the day with, with our coaches. Like Paul Harker would have just lifted it himself, but right. Right. You know, but I had to, I had to figure it out. So I actually, I actually went to Home Depot and I called Chris. And I said, Chris, I don't know how we're going to do this, man. I'm just going to buy this, uh, this fake grass that you would see outside like a trailer. And I'm just going to put this in the facility because I can't do this. And he's like, dude, if anyone can do this, you can do this. I know we can find a way. And he, he, that confidence that he had in me just kind of like, you know what, let's do it. And I found a way and we got it done. And, you know, I said seven years later, we've got 15 travel baseball teams. We're in a 8,000 square foot indoor space. Yeah. 
you know, a full weight room. We're, we're, we're definitely growing. And uh, it's, it's something that I don't think of enough how proud I am of what Chris and I have done. Um, moments when kids sign a college scholarship who play with us, I'm like, that's why we did it. You know, but then you, know, you, get, a, you get an email like, oh, someone's mad. You got to go do work. And it, yeah, it quickly yeah. goes out. Right, yeah. right. That's awesome, man. I love the, how you mentioned that he had confidence in you. I've got a, I've got a, a mentor in my life now, but he talks about how, you know, you might, you might quit on yourself, but he'll never quit on you. He'll never, he'll never quit believing in you. And I, I think that's super important to have that in, in your life, that, that like mentorship of somebody who, you know, when you're looking down those, I don't know, those huge roles and you're like, how am I going to do this? You know, and you're, and you're doubting yourself just to have somebody that believes in you. That's like, Hey man, look, like you, you can do this. Mm -hmm. I believe whether you believe in it or not, I, I believe in you. I think that's, that's a super cool thing to have. And it sounds like you've had a, have an awesome partner yeah. you know, who's also, you know, somebody like that in your life, which is really cool. Well, one of the things I, I made a big change in myself was about a year and a half ago, I, I changed who I associate with. And what I mean by that is on social media, even just that, right. Um, for our baseball world, you know, social media is everything. What we're posting, getting kids recruited, new drills, everything is driven up by the social media. And so I'm found myself, I'm finding myself on the phone all the time, but what I'm seeing isn't always what's best for me. I, I'll see stuff that maybe brings me down and like, or, you know, and it's puts more negative thoughts in my head. So I just started unfollowing and I have revamped my social media networks where the people I follow, the things and topics I follow are stuff that's going to make me better. So, you know, I have motivational stuff or people who I, I look up to in the business world or athletic world, um, you know, stuff like that. And that, so, you know, when I get up in the morning, if I get on my phone, I don't see something that man, kind of depletes me. I see something that's, all right, where are we going today? And right. that's a big change that's changed, you know, just kind of an outlook that I've had just as simple as Instagram or Facebook. I love that, man. Purposeful association. And that, again, that like, that's just something I started to do like in the past year, really was say, Hey, look, you know, I want to learn about business. I'm, I need to surround myself with people who know business and, mm -hmm. I, you know, I wasn't on social media, right? I got off social oh, media. I might have to reactivate my old Facebook though, to get our, to get our picture for this podcast art. <laughs> Is that what you wanted that picture for the podcast? Art? I just wanted it for the podcast. After that, <laughs> I'm going to have to go reactivate and see if I can find it. But um, yeah, man, like purposeful association you, you are. And I tell the story all the time because it's just like, ironically, almost comedic in, in a way, but like, you know, I love my family. I love, you know, I, my, my career has been, been great, but my, my dad was an engineer who worked in energy. I had an older brother who's an engineer who worked in energy. And there's a video of me at Wayne state. When I had my senior spotlight, you can find it on YouTube. What did I say? Oh, I just want to be an engineer that works in energy like that. that like that's what I knew. That's who I was around and that's what I wanted. And you're really going to become an average of the, the five people you're closest with. And that's not a bad thing. I don't mean this bad at all. And I'm, I don't mean it negatively in any way, but if you do want more, you need to find people that are doing what you want to be doing. You know, you need to surround your people and, and, you know, being purposeful with your social media is a great way to surround yourself with people. You know, they're, they're, they're not your direct mentors necessarily, but when you got successful people that you aspire to be like, 
that are constantly pouring mindset into you every day through their social media accounts, right? Like that, that's free mentorship, man. It's awesome. It's, no, and that's like I said, that just a simple change of, of unfriend or delete. And, you know, that right there, it, it's, it's a huge difference because you wake up each day and when you start your day, you know, anything can happen. You can go whatever route you want. You know, there's some days where I'm tired and like I said, I'm getting dressed and I open up and I see this and I'm like, man, I'm ready to roll. You know, and it's just something like that may may trigger a, a slow start to a day. It's pouring rain out here in Virginia today. Miserable. You know, you look outside, it's cold, it's rainy. But, you know, you, you see what what can I do? What can I get after and accomplish to, to complete this day? Make it better. That's awesome, John. We uh, we were out in the Bahamas not too long ago for your wedding. Yeah. Congratulations again, by the way. How long have you been married now? I did. Uh, well, we survived. What is it? A year and a half or no year and two months. Year and two months. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I remember it vividly because after that trip, I ended up having a baby nine months later. It showed up. Um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with the conch, but there's, there's these little sea creatures out there that supposedly are an aphrodisiac or something. And, uh, you know, apparently they work. But uh, how, how's marriage been? I, I know for me, you know, when, when, you, when you're alone and it's just you, you know, you're very... I wouldn't say selfish, but it's easy for one to be very, you know, internally focused on what's going on with them. And then, you, you know, I, I like the progression of, okay, now I'm married and now I got this other person that I'm sharing my life with that I need to think about and like pretty much everything I'm doing. And now I'm an, I'm a new dad. So it's like one, it's like another stage of that progression. You know, I'm just curious if you're seeing that as a, a married man and, and how marriage has been and kind of, you know, changed your mindset a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Danny, Danny and I have been together for four years before, you know, four, four and a half years before we got married. Um, and you know, we have built, built a real solid friendship. That's obviously how we got to where we are now, but, um, she works in the airline industry. So a lot of times when we were first together, she, there were times where I would see her a lot and then I wouldn't see her a lot. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I guess that's, that's common in some relationships just with work and, and whatnot, but I mean, she'd be, you know, days at a time gone. But, you know, we got got married in January, and I, I'll remember that right after, what, maybe five weeks later is when COVID really started to, to get big and lockdowns and stuff went in. And I had a buddy who had said to me, he said, man, I hope you survived your first year of marriage locked inside. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I gave the chuckle, like, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, I mean, this is this is the person that we have chosen as our life partner. And I was like, I'm excited. I, you know, yeah, not yeah. That I'm excited for COVID situations that's going on, but I'm excited right. that my, I'm going to be able to spend more time and get to know her even more. And I truly believe this past year has been the best year that we have had yet. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because we've learned so much more about each other. Right. I mean, we were never together in the middle of the day ever. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I leave in the morning for work and she's gone. And now all of a sudden it's 10 a.m. and we're both we're both home together. Right. I'm like, so well, that's what you eat during the week for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you take naps, like you know, stuff like that. And but it's just we got to know each other so much more than you know, than just when we got to see each other. And that that was something that I really I, I felt flourished in our relationship even more. And um, you know, not just for podcasts making us in, but I'm truly, truly happy with like our relationship and things have been doing just going great and i COVID is it's like a um you know a positive effect of COVID. i think has helped that 
Yeah, it's been it's been a blessing, man. You know, especially for us having a new baby, being able to spend some more time with our baby is has been a really amazing. And you know, I know being married is something you you'll hear married people like you mentioned that negative comment about, oh man, you know, I hope you survive your first year or whatever. And mm-hmm. this is another association thing. Like yeah. you'll hear comments like that from people, but pretty much every time you hear a comment like that from somebody, they probably had a crappy marriage. Yep. Or you they've know? had some negative aspects right. that have caused that. Or their yeah. parent. Yeah. Or their parents had a crappy marriage or yeah. whatever. Right. And then you get around people that actually have good marriages, like, like you or me or, or, you know, some of the people that we probably know. And you're like, Hey, you know, <laughs> this is marriage is a good thing, right? If you marry the right person and, and uh, marriage can be, and is a huge blessing, huge. And, and uh, no, well, I, love how you, I love that perspective that you shared. You don't hear a lot of the negatives from the people who are going, the things are going good. Right. Like, right. you know, uh, you know, we're going to be together for the next, you know, whatever months. And, you know, that person came with a more negative, I hope you survive. Where the people who have the good marriages, they're, they're not saying, anything. you know, they're yeah. like, I don't need to say anything. This guy's it's like, good. Hey, it's like, Hey, I get to spend a lot of more time with my spouse. This is great. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, it's a good thing. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's super cool. And we had a lot of stuff, you know, we had our honeymoon was canceled and stuff that yeah. trip that we had, that we had, we were going to do and stuff. And everybody did. People have a lot worse than, than I, we were fortunate to have, but sure. you know, it, it has allowed us to do more things, you know, we started doing puzzles. You know, I've never gone about a puzzle and sit there, on a, <laughs> puzzle there. but we did right. once and that was it. Never again. We didn't finish it, but you know, we had fun doing that together for the however many hours right that was something that we would never have done you know, mm-hmm. we have plants in the house we never have had plants in the house <laughs> but we got bored found something to do and we, we enjoy doing it together and that's, that's awesome, I, that really helped us grow more that's awesome john awesome well buddy it's been really fun talking to you and i'm glad you got to share this before we close i gotta ask you give me give me a few of your best memories from wayne state mm-hmm. and in our time together oh man uh, well, the first one that comes to mind, uh, I don't know if Phil talks too much about eating, but man, this guy loves it. Oh, never, I'll never forget coming home from, from class one day on a Friday and I walk in and there's Phil sitting on the couch and he, he looks like he just went to like a buffet or something. I'm like, man, are you okay? And I look on the table and there's an entire container of Oreos that are two sleeves eaten and a whole summer sausage that's like quarter left. He just went to town. Crush <laughs> that, that is a memory. I'll never. Every time I go to the store and I see Oreos, Phil is my first thought. Oh with my that. gosh! But I mean, you know, we've had we had some epic trips that we did for baseball down to Florida, and you know, um, you know the, the the trips we did, the tournaments, and the games. Uh, but I think what really what what sticks out, and it's it's something that you know. It's not as funny, but it's something that we had to grind that the guys at Wayne State don't have now were those late night practices. You know, we we would go to practice nine at night. I'm a morning person. I hate nights. Like nine at nine p.m. My friends know I'm in bed, getting ready for my mornings. But um, you know, we would practice nine at night until one in the morning, and then we'd have to get up for seven thirty for eight a.m. class or something. And we hated those. We loved baseball. We love what we did. So we did it. We complained, but we did it. And, but I think that made us tougher mm-hmm. and more appreciative of the stuff we had. 
So when we did get a three o'clock practice, we were pumped. We were oh, excited. Yeah. But I, I think that that made that made me personally, um, you know, a tougher mentally, uh, tougher individual. And that's something that I take now. That's why I go work out in the morning. I can accomplish so much more and get that stuff done, you know, more stuff done during the day because I'm mentally tougher because of, you know, the stuff that, like that I was taught at Wayne State. I 100% agree, man. I think people want to be comfortable and you don't grow if you're comfortable. You grow by facing fear and things you don't want to do over and over and over again and doing things when you don't feel like it and don't want to do it. You know, public speaking. Most people don't like getting up in front of people. Well, what do you got to do to in order to become a good public speaker? You got to get up in front of people over and over and over and over again. You know, I, I agree about those late night practice, man. I hated them. I remember being like, this is so stupid. Why are we doing this? What kind of coaches are these? What is this? But we that was our 2010 championship year, you know, like we we did those teams were special teams and they, they were we, special because we they, they grinded, right? Yep. We were bonding on those late night practices and, you know, our 1am trip to McDonald's because it was the only thing open to get chicken nuggets, <laughs> you know, and it, it was that type of stuff that brings you together. And once right. again, we surrounded ourselves with people who had the same mentality, right? We, yeah. we were around people who had the dream of winning the GLIAC and to win, win the conference and all that stuff. We, we were associated with the same like-minded people. And that really, I think, helped drive us to where, to where we got, you know. For sure. And we were fueled by some Bangkok chicken while we were at it. Man, I love that Bangkok chicken. Oh, it's not there food. anymore. Man. Little Thai food never hurt anybody. Thai food, man. We, we, we went twice in one day one time. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I, was a, I was still growing back then. I needed, I needed my, my nutrients. Oh, I hear you. Well, John, it's been fun, man. I appreciate you coming on the show. God bless you, brother. If uh, if people want to find you or learn more about Primetime, where can they find you? Yeah, um, our website, primetimebaseball.co. Uh, that's one. And then we're on Facebook and uh, Instagram, Twitter, all that as well. Uh, Primetime Baseball 2310. Um, take a look on there. We put a lot of content out there, not just, not just baseball skills and drills and recruiting type stuff, but a lot of stuff to – help the younger generation grow and use sport as a, as a means of, uh, of, of learning and developing. So definitely uh, give us a follow. Yeah. Make sure you go follow him. Primetimebaseball.co. Go follow him on his social channels. John Skaggs. Great dude. And if you're into baseball, go check out primetime and make sure you get involved and, and uh, see where primetime can take you. So love it. Love it, John. Thanks for coming on, brother. Thank you so much. Take care, big guy. If you think someone would benefit from hearing this episode or any of this content, please share it and send them over to goleadeverything.com to learn more. It has been amazing to hear about all the individuals who listen to and are getting value from the content here at GLE. Thank you for your support. You are the reason we do what we do. See you next time. Go Go.